We've all heard about the horrendous Manchester attack, the suicide bomber in Manchester, England. And it's awful looking at those beautiful, innocent faces of the children who were killed. But what else does this mean for you? That's what we're going to be talking about today. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist, and your terrorist therapist. I'm here to help you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Well, <laughs> we have been inundated um, with media reports about the May 22nd bombing in Manchester, England. It happened at the uh, exit of the concert by the American singer Ariana Grande. The terrorist was waiting at the exit and uh, the exit where which was connected to the trains the, uh, and the tube. And um, when people started to come out of the concert, he um, released his bomb. And he was killed, as well as 22 other people, as well as having injured at least around 120. You know, the figures for the injured and the dead aren't, permanent yet because there are still people fighting for their lives in the hospital uh, nearby. Well, the name of the attacker was Solomon Abidi. He's 22 years old. He was born and raised in England. You know, just like uh, in America, when we feel particularly cheated or, or um, betrayed by people who are born and raised in America and have had the opportunities uh, here and then they become terrorists. It's such a betrayal, such a how could they do this kind of feeling. It's the same thing in England. Um, he is comes from a Libyan family and um, he was raised in an area in England, uh, in Manchester, where where um, it was a poor neighborhood. You know, this is what happens actually, not just in England, um, really it happens all over, that immigrants coming from countries where um, there is a terrorist influence or not just coming from countries um, uh, in general where they end up in a poor neighborhood it's easy for people to become angry at um, America or at, <laughs> or at England or wherever they are, or same thing happens in Belgium, same thing happens in France, um, that ter these terrorists, many of the terrorists who created attacks that we have heard about uh, in the news have, have grown up feeling angry and vulnerable to being radicalized by terrorists because they feel cheated. They feel that somehow they weren't able to get a life that was promised to them. I mean, you know, no life is promised to anybody. Uh, you have the opportunities in each of these countries. Um, there are opportunities. And if you don't um, take advantage of them or work hard enough to um, see your rewards, then it is not the country's fault. And yet it is very easy uh, to to find people in 
especially in these particular neighborhoods. And it has been said that Salman Abidi grew up, uh, the, a lot of the friends that he grew up with in his neighborhood have become terrorists, have become, well, not, some of them have gone, gone to the Middle East and have jo actually joined ISIS. And then now they're doing an investigation. They've already arrested his father and a brother of his in England and a brother of his in Libya. His father is in Libya. Uh, they went back. The family came to uh, the UK and then stayed there for 25 years and then went back. Uh, his parents went back to Libya. And what's interesting, actually, is that just some weeks before uh, the attack, the, the attack at the uh, Manchester Arena, just a few weeks before his father took him and his other brother back to Libya, supposedly because they were afraid of getting um, uh, killed in an attack. They, were, they got involved with gangs or there were gangs nearby and they were either afraid of getting attacked themselves or uh, the father was afraid that they were going to attack people with knives. I don't know, that story sounds a little fishy, quite frankly, especially since um, if you haven't seen this already, you might look on the internet and see an interview with uh, the suicide bomber's father who talks about his son as though uh, as though he was just, as though he had no awareness of this horrible, horrible uh, attack that his son committed. I mean, he's talking as if he's talking about the weather. And of course, he was arrested, as I said, along with the two other brothers, because um, there, there are uh, already um, findings that the father was a terrorist sympathizer, that the younger brother knew what uh, Salman was going to do. He knew about the attack planned at the Manchester Arena. And then the other brother who was uh, still in England, he, you know, obviously, uh, chances are that he knew something about it too, or that he had been radicalized. So this is all, the, these investigations are all being, still being conducted. But what they are saying is that he, um, it's not likely that he was a lone wolf because the bomb that he had uh, was too sophisticated for it to have been just him who did it. Now, talking about taking advantage of opportunities in, in the country that you're in, um, he did go to college for two years, but then he dropped out. And there is some thought that maybe he uh, traveled to the Middle East and was received training there, although that hasn't been proven 100% yet. Uh, but certainly in Libya, there, is, <laughs> there are uh, ISIS and Al-Qaeda cells, um, terrorists who are trying to recruit people as well. So um, one of the things that I find really scary is that when his parents were in the UK, his father worked in airport security in England, in airport security. I mean, this is exactly the kinds of things that we're worried about. Uh, terrorists infiltrating important positions like airport security. How can we, it's, 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 uh, how can we have airport security if the person who's supposed to be keeping the security uh, actually has terrorist leanings? So, um, 
what, when, when his parents, Solomon's parents took him and his younger brother back to Libya just recently, um, his father took away their, their passports. And uh, Solomon convinced his mother, lied to his mother, geez, surprise, surprise, lied to his mother and said that he wanted his passport back because he was going to go to Mecca on an Islamic pilgrimage. And instead, he went back to the UK. Now, there have been some photos of Solomon from his childhood uh, posted on the internet where uh, you can see just from looking at him, even when he's young, um, there's a kind of look in his eye where he's angry, he's cynical, he's uh, looking at the camera, his eyes, are, his face is kind of screwed up, like, you know, his eyes are, are um, oh, you know, looking like very suspiciously at the camera. And, um, and some of the people, some of his friends in the uh, photo also, now I don't know specifically whether these, the specific friends in the specific photos that I looked at are the ones who they, who were arrested or who they're investigating. But I did think to myself when I saw the photos that they also look angry and rebellious. And I would not be surprised um, if they are some of the ones currently being investigated. He was also described as having a face of hate, and that's what I would, how I would describe the pictures that I saw of him in his childhood. But he was described literally with those words, face of hate, by an imam from a mosque that he attended. An imam. Um, he, he went to a mosque, uh, at least one, perhaps more than one, where he was thrown out. And which one we have to give credit to the mosque, you know, where credit is due, because he was thrown out because when they were talking about radical Islamists in a negative way at the mosque, you know, they were, they were um, distancing themselves from that uh, way of thinking, uh, got, Solomon got angry. And he, because he, you know, did sympathize with the radical Islamists. And so he was angry that they were talking against them at the mosque. And when they noticed this, um, they contacted the authorities to warn them about him. And there are also reports that people from the neighborhood called the authorities and even people from his family, supposedly. But um, right now, I don't know that it was his his immediate family, because uh, because right now it seems like they are covering him and trying to say, I mean, the father tried to say that there's no way it was him, even after he was dead in the bomb blast, and they identified him. So we can't, I don't know that it was really his um, immediate family who contacted, but the point is that the authorities were warned, and I talk about this in pretty much uh, in most, if not all, of the terrorists of the recent attacks that have made big news, that in fact these people were on a watch list of sorts, but then the authorities stopped watching them or weren't watching them closely enough to begin with. I mean, it's especially true, it seems to me, with uh, Salman Abidi because 
um, as they're doing more investigation, they're finding out that this is, that he is linked um, to a larger cell. Um, and so, so certainly if they had been watching him more carefully, they would have also found these links to, this, to other uh, wannabe or soon to be um, terrorist attackers. So there needs to be a more, uh, a more, there needs to be more people and, and a more serious um, way of looking, keeping track of all of these people instead of just, you know, too quickly uh, taking them to stop watching them, st stopping um, paying enough attention to them. And in America, in any case, I, um, I think it's more in America than in England, but in America, uh, there's so much political correctness that enters into it that I think that people get rights uh, more than they deserve and, and more, uh, you know, where it's, where we don't recognize things uh, before they happen, where, you know, we should, we should realize, take people more seriously, not give them as much of the benefit of the doubt as apparently they have been getting all over. Uh, now, supposedly, Solomon was angry that um, he is in trying to explain why he did this, in, aside from just generally that he was radicalized, his family tries to give excuses by saying that uh, he was angry at the killing uh, of the Syrian children. He was angry at the way the Libyans were treated in the UK. And particularly, he had a friend who was killed in a hate crime, what he called uh, a hate crime. This friend was fairly recently, this friend was run over and stabbed. And um, this goes to part of why he's angry at the UK for how they're treating people from Libya. Now, there were also warnings just soon before the attack, neighbors were saying that he was yelling prayers loudly in the street. They were noticing him just in the days before the attack. And, um, uh, you know, perhaps these are the ones who had called the authorities. There were other uh, warnings that were unheeded. Um, in addition to the chanting the prayers loudly in the streets, I mean, what else do you have to do? Again, political correctness. Yes, you know, should we should be allowed to say our prayers in the street, but he, they reported that he was seemed very strange when he was doing this. It wasn't just somebody quietly saying their prayers. It was uh, sort of a foreboding way of doing that. Another uh, warning that was unheeded, and this is really unbelievable, um, apparently there were ISIS tweets that mentioned the Manchester arena. So in other words, on Twitter, there was the hashtag for ISIS and the hashtag Manchester arena just hours before the attack. Now, one has to wonder why that wasn't picked up. I mean, isn't there, who's watching Twitter? Why isn't someone, um, you know, from Homeland Security or the British equivalent watching these things. Now, on a positive side, uh, I do want to mention there were two homeless men that um, are the antithesis of terrorists, the antithesis of Salman Abidi and the antithesis of, of terrorists in general. And these were two men, Chris Parker and Stephen Jones. 
Chris Parker had gone to the Manchester arena because he figured that this was a good place to panhandle. There would be a lot of people coming out. It would be people who had enough money to buy the ticket to Ariana Grande. Um, you know, this, this would be a good place to stand with your cup. And, uh, and Stephen Jones, also homeless, he went there. He found a place nearby to sleep. And as soon as the bomb went off, both of these men, unthinkingly, without hesitation, ran to the victims and tried to help the victims. Um, one of them comforted a girl who lost her legs. He wrapped her in a t-shirt and cradled a dying woman. Another one cradled a dying woman in his arms or both of them. They, they pulled nails out of children's arms and faces. They did all of these. They did whatever they could do to try to comfort and help the victims. And uh, they asked one, one girl, um, he said, where's your mom and daddy? And she said, my dad is at work, my mom is up there. Now, I, I, presumably, I think she meant, it's unclear whether she meant up there in heaven or up there um, in an area of the arena, but I tend to think she meant in heaven. Um, so they, so there are fundraising uh, pages that um, that were set up for them. You can look that up again. The names are Chris Parker and Stephen Jones, and that you know, it's so in the midst of all this horror uh, and inhumanity, it is so uh, beautiful to be able to see that there are still people, lots of them, more of us than the terrorists, um, who will go in, risk their lives, because they didn't know if there were other bombs that were going to go off. So they risked their lives by running into the arena um, and trying to help and comfort people. Now, one of the things I want to point out uh, as far as how this is affecting us or how it should be affecting us is that it should be a wake-up call for parents because um, the more terrorist attacks there are, and they are certainly coming fast and furious, the more it's, it's, it should be telling parents that they need to talk about terrorism with their children. So if you are a parent um, or you have children that you care about, you need to realize this is a, a perfect example um, of, of, um, of why you need to be talking to your kids about terrorism. Ariana Grande is very popular. And when kids hear her name on television, the radio, on the internet, whenever they, you know, maybe you can try to protect them from other terror attacks, you know, from watching, like I know a lot of parents go to their television set when something about terrorism is on, they run up and they turn it off or switch to another channel. And um, to protect their children, they think that's what they're doing, um, when really it's, it's causing children to be very confused and not get their questions answered. But here's a, a specific example of where you know, you know that kids um, are going to want to hear what's happening with Ariana Grande. Did she get hurt? What's a terror attack? Uh, what's a terrorist? Um, what's going on? Why would uh, then seeing all the pictures, you know, especially the pictures of the children 
that uh, are all over the place, the, the victims, the children who were killed, these beautiful, innocent children. Certainly, I'm sure you saw them. Uh, they are all over the television, all over the internet. Whenever there's a child who is involved in a terrorist attack, children pay particular attention. So here we have children's beautiful, sad, you know, well, they actually were happy pictures, but now it's sad to know that these are the, are, are the victims. But so when the children see pictures of children like that, or they hear the name Ariana Grande, they are going to perk up and listen and want to know what's going on with these people. They especially identify with kids um, when there are kids involved who are victims of terrorist attacks, just like with the Boston bombing, there was a little boy who was killed. And that draws children's attention because they, they relate to that. They identify with that. They think, you know, that could be me. Um, so it is especially, especially important to, to talk about terrorism before you, you're, see, before you actually are faced with it in something like this. Here you have, you know, whether it's they see the face of the children, they see her, Ariana Grande, you know, it's, it's an attack, it's sudden, it's, it comes without any warning to anybody, of course, um, and it comes without any warning to a parent as far as, oh, this is a day when I should talk to my children about terrorism or really should have talked to my children about terrorism before this because, because it's not just um, the media, uh, all these terrorist attacks which are happening more and more, but it's also when kids go to school, they talk with other kids. You know, if you don't talk with your children about terrorism, uh, I can assure you that other kids in school are talking to your kid about terrorism. And what they know and understand is most likely to be not true, confusing, worse maybe than it is, or totally, in any case, totally, uh, total misinformation. And it's very scary because, you know, you know how kids are like uh, when they want to show off that they know something and they want to scare other kids and they make it even worse. And then of course there are uh, older siblings of your child perhaps or of these other children in school and they give them information too. So who would you rather your child get this information from? You or, or um, be confused by the TV, be confused and more scared by the, their friends and, and siblings. Um, of course, it's more important that it comes out in a way that doesn't scare the pants off of them and that's done in a calm, little by little way, appropriate to their age, uh, like you. Like only you could. You know, they really want to hear things from their parent. That's who they trust the most. So now if you're telling them, oh, don't worry about it, or no, that wasn't a terrorist attack, or no, nothing happened in, in England, well, nothing happened to, well, Ariana Grande, actually nothing did happen literally to her, but except that, you know, of course the whole thing, I'm sure, was especially upsetting to her. But, I mean, she, she didn't get killed or injured. So I, parents are saying, you know, just like trying to, um, trying to downplay this, thinking they're doing the right thing, but that they're not making kids scared. But really, 
it's more important to explain things in a in a way in a pro, in the proper way. And of course, to that end, which is this is all why this is my passion. This is why I wrote my book, which is really going to be coming out soon, um, called Lions and Tigers and Terrorists. Oh my! How to protect your child in a time of terror? It's for parents and teachers and any anyone who um, cares about kids to share with children. And um, the point of it is to. Uh, be able to give this message to teach kids, you know, what you, what you always wanted to know, what you always didn't want to know about terrorism, but have to know in our day today. So it's, it's meant to make children more resilient, to empower them, to tell it things, tell them things in a way that's calming and, and makes, and give them tools to make themselves stronger in the face of ongoing terrorist threats. And so I've been asking parents about what they, have they talked to their kids about terrorism? And um, how old are their kids? And, and, and so far, um, pretty much all of the parents that I have asked about this have reacted in the same way. They look sheepish, embarrassed, and they say, um, well, um, uh, man, this is no matter how old their kids are. Um, well, no, I haven't actually talked about terrorism with them. I mean, you know, um, no, I don't want to scare them or I, I, I don't want to have to tell them about these horrible things. Well, yeah, none of us do. Um, we wish these, we don't want to hear about these things ourselves. But... But this is a sad reality of our world that isn't going to be stopped anytime soon. Hopefully it will be stopped at some point, but not within, you know, um, I mean, I'm not a, a psychic, but certainly um, the point is that these things are happening now and kids are wondering about them now and they are scared about them now. And it, to take the approach, well, I'm going to wait until my child ask me about terrorism before I talk to them about it is the wrong, wrong approach because kids are scared to ask their parents because they're scared of, of you know, what they've seen. And the parents also, you may not realize it, but you may be giving off the message that you don't want them to talk to you about it. Kids are so good at picking up on that. Uh, they may have overheard a conversation that you had. So um, you cannot just wait for them to ask. This is, you know, this kind of a, a concert with, let's say they, they know who Ariana Grande is and they're a fan of hers and all that. This is a perfect teachable moment to, to start the discussion, start the talk if you haven't started it already. And I, in my book, I will be helping you to do just that. Um, the first part of it is for, for adults, grownups, and the second part is a, a, a picture book, a children's picture book. Um, which is directed, a, a book that talks directly to the children. So, um, well, why don't we go now to the letter portion of the terrorist therapist show. And I have a, um, a letter, an email from uh, Amanda. Uh, again, I will tell you, I, I want to remind you how to contact me and send me your questions, your comments, suggestions that you have for future podcasts, 
Um, and you can do that by going to my Facebook page by putting in the terrorist therapist and you will come to my page or and or going to my website uh, terroristtherapist.com and you can uh, either send me a message on my Facebook page or uh, click on the contact page for the website. Uh, this is a, a, a message from Amanda from Long Island, New York, and she wrote, my kids love to go to concerts, and I know there are several of their favorite stars coming to our city this summer, but I'm afraid to let them go after what happened in Manchester uh, at the concert. They will be crushed should I let them go. Well, I know this is a problem that parents are facing all over the world. And um, I think in America, <laughs> and if we in America are in a little more in denial, and it's understandable because, you know, people in England, for example, have had more terror attacks, especially recently. People in France have had more terror attacks, especially recently, even in Belgium. Um, and so, so they are, it's a little harder for people in countries where there, where there have been these attacks um, recently to, to be in denial. But in America, we're more in denial. So I think we, we will be more likely, actually, to, uh, on the whole, um, to, to think it's okay. But this is, I, and I do think it's okay. I, I don't think that you or your children should stop going to concerts or any other kinds of activities where there have been terror attacks in the past. Uh, but this, there are some precautions that you can take. And here are some of the precautions. If you, first of all, you need to, don't ever, ever, ever send your children alone. Even if they're, you know, 17 or 18, you don't think of them as children per se, little children, um, still go with them to concerts. Uh, if you're taking their friends, make sure that the parents, at least one parent of the, each friend, it, it comes along as well. Because if there is an incident of some sort and everybody panics, you need a parent with a child, with each child. Um, then uh, make sure that your children have cell phones and that ICE, the word uh, the letters ICE, which stands for in case of emergency, have that programmed into automatic dial in your phone and have it go to an adult family member who will be able to come to, um, to help them, whatever kind of incident there is. And then, of course, tell your children to look for the nearest exit once they arrive at their seat so that they know where to run quickly if an incident occurs. And of course, that goes for you, for adults as well. We should all, even when we go to movie theaters, we should, wherever we go, a sporting event, um, we, these days we need to be, when we go, get to our seat, the first thing that we should do is to look to see where the nearest exit is. Yes, that's very sad. It totally sucks, but that will, could save our life um, and our children's lives. So what's the answer? The answer is that we can't um, we can't stop going places if we're not if we're going to say that we can't go to concerts because it's too dangerous, or we're going to tell our children that they can't go to concerts because it's too dangerous, or we we you know then where do you stop? 
uh, not going to sporting events, not going to movies, not going to airports, not going to train stations. I mean, these are all places where there have been terror attacks. Maybe not, well, maybe not movies as far as ISIS kinds of terrorists, but certainly there was the attack in Colorado. But, you know, that is a target. That is a potential target, certainly, because there are a lot of people sitting in a movie theater. So where does it stop? You can't, it would never stop. What about going to sidewalks? You wouldn't want to even walk on the sidewalk if, it's, if you're going to use that way of thinking uh, and trying to not be anywhere that a terrorist attack might be or might have been in the past. So we can't let the terrorists win. We have to keep living our lives and enjoying our lives, and we just have to take precautions. So thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your Terrorist Therapist.